Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Yacht Crew Vlogs right here on Yachting International Radio. My name is Rhea. I am your host, and I'm very pleased to welcome my next guest, whose name is Craig Woldridge. He is with IASME Consortium. Welcome, Craig. Hello there. Uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be on here. Yeah, that's quite a mouthful. What does IASME stand for? IASME stands for Information Assurance for Small and Medium Enterprises. And this is all about cybersecurity. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We have ultra-high net worth individuals, billionaires, multimillionaires on these yachts. When they are in their homes... It, it comes down to their staff. It comes down to their computer systems. It comes down to their phones when they're in their offices. It's like the best bank vault that you could buy when it comes to cybersecurity. But the minute it comes to getting out on their boat, it's like all that is gone out the window. And I'm not sure if they realize that they could be hacked on their boat and that would be able to be brought back into their highly cyber secure office building and find its way around because they let their security drop in one area. Is that not true? Uh, yeah, this is true. I think, as you say, once they go out on the ship, obviously it's a completely different domain. But of course, a ship contains exactly the same IT and OT products that are in any office or any home dwelling that you have anywhere else. So obviously, it's just as a vulnerable area to get protected as it is your home or office or any working space. When it comes to that, then, do you think that perhaps these owners of these yachts and, and ships as well, maritime industry as a whole, or guests just assume that the cybersecurity is top notch when they go on board? Or is it just that... It's just not being done. Like, where does that fall down? Is it the owner or is it the yacht management? I think both. Really. I, I think sometimes the actual customer or the owner may not uh, know what's on board the vessel because obviously this is a complex technical area and so may not realise what's on there. There's obviously standards that are set by the International Maritime Organization, where it comes to actual cyber risk security and security management, which should be the part of any SMS on board the ship, their actual safety management system should be applied. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the owner specifically knows about that, and nor maybe person who, who put the ship together in the for the, the yacht together in the first place so that there is um, some naivety to what's there but now people are becoming more and more aware that they need to start looking at their cyber security and actually meeting the requirements that are being set by the IMO these latest requirements by the IMO, they were supposed to be implemented as of January 1st, 2021, no? Yes, that's correct. Now, it was for the maritime industry. 
But very often what you find is that yachting doesn't feel as part of the maritime industry. Now, does this law apply to over a certain size or is it just to the shipping industry or does it also apply to yachting? I'd say it applies to yachting. If obviously I'm not an expert on the size of ships and that, but I would say that any yacht that requires navigational systems, which are obviously then controlled by the IT and the OT systems to obviously run the uh, navigational system, the propeller system, the lighting, anything at all with the, uh, on the ship, then yes, they've obviously got to start looking towards what they are telling them to put in place. It wasn't even like that long ago. I think it was the FBI actually got hacked and it was something that had been going on for over a decade because somebody had snuck in the back door, something had been left open and nobody did anything about it. So even if one of the top security providers for the government of the United States can find themselves in that position, people need to realize that we aren't dealing with me, for example, who if you hack my bank account, you're going to be awfully disappointed because you might get away with a meal at McDonald's. But if you hack somebody that is on board a super yacht, that's trouble. Definitely trouble. I, I think one of the main things is obviously we we the we have cybersecurity on oil tankers, we have cybersecurity on cable layers, on nuclear waste carrier, LNG tankers. They all carry very important sets at the end of the day and make the world go round. So cybersecurity, they should be following the guidelines of what the IMO are requiring. That's nothing different to the super yacht when really the main and most valuable asset on that super yacht is probably the people who are actually using it and hired it for the week or whatever. They are the most valuable asset. And if you're sitting at sea without the right cybersecurity in place that can stop you hacking, you suddenly become very vulnerable. And obviously, a big asset to the criminal hacker who's sitting on shore somewhere who then is able, with the flick of a switch, to stop your engines or take over the steering of your vessel and suddenly he's got a commodity that he can demand a multi-million pound ransomware for. And we just saw the other day, one of the most important ports in the world for shipping got hacked. And we are hearing stories just, you know, even yesterday, or maybe it was this morning, there was another story that they found out that even the personnel files down to driver's license, the personal data, of the employees was actually stolen as well. So we're talking big business. We're talking a big risk. If you don't do what you need to do, it's not something that we think about and happens to other people anymore. It's happening everywhere, all around the world and daily. Yes, definitely. It, it's a daily occurrence now. And as you say, probably a few years ago, it was something that wasn't really in the media. And then probably the biggest one was the Mars cargo ships in 2017 that were hacked. That suddenly brought it into the public domain. And I think from then it has increased every day in the fact that this is a regular occurrence now. And as you rightly say, 
the latest big one has been the actual king of the uh, port in Australia. And obviously, that is a multi-million pound or going to be a multi-billion pound loss to the industry when it comes to, obviously, uh, containers and that. Uh, and obviously the movement and logistics of goods within those containers, and we can revert that back to what happened um, in the in the Suez Canal, really, as well. When something blocks an actual archery, which is the port, then obviously we can't or nobody can get anything out of there. Everything's shut down, and suddenly you've got multi-million pounds sort of problem on your hands when it comes to moving the assets and cargo that are now stuck in a port because no one can move. What do you guys do? You Not too long ago, you started up the Maritime Cyber Baseline Scheme. Now, that comes in two levels. Level one is a verified assessment. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so in 2002, uh, we launched the Maritime Baseline Scheme. It's a worldwide scheme designed to certify the cybersecurity of all vessels, and it is accessible to everyone. So operators, owners, ship, and it's for vessels of all sizes that obviously contain IT and OT infrastructure on board the vessel. So the scheme will allow operators, owners, and builders to start their journey towards the compliance with cyber requirements that are being set by the International Maritime Organization and follows their guidelines on maritime cyber risk management, which includes the resolution MSC 428 brackets 98, which again is, is about the uh, secure management systems on board. The level one verified assessment is a basic assessment that the actual owner or organization can actually do themselves. So it's a self-assessment as such, and it's an online portal assessment, which can be filled out by, as I say, by the actual completer themselves. And it's a series of questions around the security, the IT and OT infrastructure on board the vessel itself. As I say, you do an online portal. It's around 90 questions long. And some are yes and no answers. Some you have to actually write some reply answers in there. This is then actually sent to one of our maritime assessors who are qualified in assessing IT and OT structures on board a vessel. And if you pass, you get an actual assurance certification, which is digital and contains a QR code that can be shown to customers, to supply chain, to the staff themselves on board the vessel, that you have taken basic steps to help reduce the risk of a cyber attack occurring on your vessel. Now, that's one step, but I don't think that's enough. You've been in level two, and that's audited. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the audited version follows on from the verified assessment, and so is a higher level of assurance, in fact. But what you do is obviously you pass your verified assessment first and then what the assessor who did your assessment does is obviously he uses the evidence within that verified assessment to look at what you have got on board the vessel and he he or she 
then do a series of technical tests. So some penetration testing that on board the vessel itself. Now I say on board the vessel, but again, these technical tests can be done on the online portal, which we actually use. If the actual owner or organization wants the assessor to come on board the ship itself, this obviously can be arranged between clients and the assessor, but it can obviously be done online. So that is a a deeper, as you say, more in-depth look, the IT and OT systems that you've got on board. And obviously the assessor can then make judgments and obviously offer advice of what should be put in before he can pass. And again, if you pass, you get a level two IAT level certification. Again, it's a digital certification with a block code included. Now, you work with companies all over the world to provide this service, right? Yep. So they don't have to be in England. They don't have to be. It could be anywhere in the world. They can contact the website. Yeah, they can be uh, anywhere in the world. We have a couple of assessors in Europe, and we um, are hoping that we get more assessors in um, other um, countries as well, including, obviously, Asia, Americas, and obviously the USA look good. But, yeah, we are open to more people becoming assessors as well. But, yes, the, the actual certification itself can be done anywhere in the world and will attain to any ship anywhere in the world. I think a lot of times when I see interviews like this, they really do concentrate on ransomware and data breach and keeping your information secure, your bank accounts. But there's also a very small element to it, but it's a very dark element. They're able to track if they wanted to, where you go, where you live, when you are, wherever you are. It's opening up a whole kettle of worms to the possibility that they could track you down and do some harm physically. It's not just about money. It's not just about bank account. It's not just about data. It could be about your physical safety as well. There is always that, yes, there's always that element. Obviously, when we talk about hackers, we always seem to lean towards the monetary side of it. I think we have to remember there are those people out there who obviously hack for a cause. They may have a cause that they want to advertise to the world. And then, obviously, we have those that may have disgruntled people who may have lost a job through a company or something like that and so wants a bit of a a revenge attack. And then, obviously, we have to consider terrorism. And, as you quite rightly say, if the information is gained from these ships, then they have got a tool there in which they could, obviously, do some harm with. Yeah, it just it comes down to the fact that you really have to be careful because nowadays we live online. If I wanted to stay in my apartment for the rest of my life, I could. I would yes. never have to leave my apartment because I could literally do everything I needed to do online. So that means that every aspect of your being is there for the taking if you're not careful. Yes. So the idea that somebody that has a yacht that is worth billions is not protected, it it baffles my mind. Or a shipping company that is not protecting their ships, which is worth billions. Again, it baffles my mind. And 
what is the cost to get certified and to make sure that you are as cyber secure as you possibly can be is minuscule when it comes to the ransomware that these hackers are asking for nowadays. It's minuscule to make sure that you have the best cybersecurity possible out there to ward off these attacks. Yes, as I say, with our schemes, because of who we are and what we do, we offer other certifications, the UK-based ones as well, but all, all, all around cybersecurity. Um, but for the, we try to keep these schemes as practical and as affordable as possible. And that's what we've done with the maritime scheme as well. As I say, this is a first step on the ladder to getting yourselves completely cyber secure. We always put this will help. This will help you achieve a level of a baseline, which is why it's called maritime cyber baseline. It will help you achieve a baseline level of security that we want to bring everybody up to. And that level one verified assessment is set at £750 for that level one achievement. Now, if you want to go to level two, the cost of that for the audit version is £1,200. Obviously, for your first year, you complete the first assessment at £750, and your second, if you want to go to the audit level, you complete for £1,200. So total cost being £1,900. The actual level two lasts for three years, but in the two anniversaries up to that uh, third year, we require you to pass the level one again. So 750 per year for the second, first and second anniversary, and then a full audit on the third one again. So as we say, this is not a massive amount of money to put some simple steps in place to get your yacht secure. For a super yacht owner, that's barely a bottle of champagne. So really correct. Yeah. <laughs> not in those <laughs> So when you think about it, if that's the case, it just baffles the mind that everybody hasn't had it done. So I would encourage people out there because if you're not going to spend the same amount of money that you would on your favorite bottle of champagne, on making sure that your yacht is secure, then maybe you do need to get hacked because it will be a lesson well learned. I just think that, as you say, this is a, this is a baseline level. Everybody now needs to start taking cybersecurity more seriously, not just in the maritime industry, but across the whole of the world. But what has happened from my experience of, say, we've only been running this scheme since 2022, there has been a real sort of push and drive in the maritime industry to get everyone up to a basic level of cybersecurity. And I think that is happening. So it is time now for people to just sit back and think about what they have, what their assets are, and look at getting those sits cyber secured. As I say, it's not a lot of money to get you on that first ladder to some sort of, of protection. But if, if you do, and everybody does it, you suddenly have a ring of steel in place. If everyone within you know, whoever you work with 
if you're a charter company that's got six or seven super yachts that you charter around, this is a way of showing your customers that you can, you can be relied on to look after them as such, that you have the measures in place that will help reduce the risk of that cyber attack when they're out at sea or even in port. So well, it's, I have to it's say that. the hackers are getting a little bit cheeky now, too, because the other day they hacked a company in, in the cycling world. And when they didn't get their ransomware, they got a little bit perturbed and they released even more stuff that they said they weren't going to release in the first place. We're <laughs> at this stage now with cybersecurity that five years ago, I think anybody would have bent over backward, paid whatever ransom they could pay. And the hackers were used to that. And now all of a sudden... Literally, governments of countries are getting together and saying we are not going to be paying ransomware anymore. So the hackers are like, oh, okay, now what do we do? So there's a bit of a battle going on. And I think that's probably going to continue over the next couple of years. And it's definitely if you're a target or a high profile person or a high profile business, you got to be careful. Yeah, I was a police officer 30 years within 19 of those spent within fraud. What I would say is if you make the journey for a hacker difficult, they will move on. It's a bit like at the moment where you probably read in the news, there's quite a lot about telephone calls into vulnerable victims, push what they call push fraud, where they're asking for details to be handed over the phone. Obviously, if you are aware what's happening and you just say no and everything, or if they email you and you don't reply, they won't keep on hassling you. They'll move on to the next person until they find that one little chink in the chain they can get into. So the more people put cybersecurity sort of things in place, tools in place, tools and processes in place, this will reduce the risk of that happening to you because you suddenly start welding those links together because... If everyone does it, it makes it a harder circle for the hacker to break into. It's like creating a chain link fence around your house, I would assume. Um, yeah. The hackers must really be on to me, though, because it seems that I'm on my seventh email of the UN trying to give me 20 million euros. I'm not sure if I should respond to that today or not. No, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll not respond to that today. Actually, they said 20 million dollars. And I think that's one of the things that people have to pay attention to because it's the wording as well. If looking at the back end of the email, is it coming from the specific company that it says it's coming from or is it from a Gmail account? There's so many like little tricks. It's even the language that they use. Sometimes they mix up two words because English isn't their first language. And when I got the email, it was first off, the UN wouldn't know who I was. So there's no way they're going to give me 20 million anything. But they said $20 million. Now, if it's the UN, it would have been 20 million euros. That's straight on. And then, of course, on top of yeah. the fact that no one's going to give me 20 million. But yeah, somebody else might actually go for it. Yeah, exactly. People do go through. That is the problem. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, it comes people's greed. And people don't see past that greed. So they don't look above the the end of the bonnet, really. As you say, there's lots of things that indicate a fraud and they are big amounts of sums that sort of tempt you. A lot of the time you can see straight through with simple things 
on the actual IRL and, and the address, the IP address page and especially badly spelled as well. Grammar is, is another indicator uh, that can obviously show if an email and that is, is fraudulent. Yeah. Craig, I have to say thank you very much once again. It's been a very informative interview and I thank you for your time. Thank you very much indeed. And if anyone would like to get in touch with me, then I'll gladly answer any queries that anyone has got. We'll put all the details below this interview. When it airs, you've been watching another edition of Yacht Crew Vlogs right here on Yachting International Radio. My name is Ria. I have been your host. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>